Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Up his uniform on just to be on the field for the championship game. What a smart and classy gesture by Steve Sarkeesian for the great running back. So Texas wins the fourth Big 12 championship in their 28 years in the conference. Here's the third team that was taken off and put on the board. Who's number three? The Texas Longhorns. Steve Sarkeesian's team winning a conference championship for the first time since 2009 and making the playoff for the first time. Oh, double team. You know how to get to higher heart, buddy. So good to be back here on the show. Welcome to the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Oh, my God. Could I be happier this morning? No, I could not. Coming up in the next three hours, we'll tell you what happened last night in Monday Night Football and get you ready for the College Bowl season as well, which includes the Sugar Bowl, which includes the Rose Bowl, which includes the Orange Bowl. How about Army-Navy? We'll talk about that as well. The in-season tournament in the NBA is down to the quarterfinals. We will handicap those games for you. We will also look at Week 14 in the National Football League with the lines and totals moving all over the place. We'll get you updated on that that and of course we'll bring in our good friend pj glasser from inside the betting lines and send it in that is coming up during the final hour donkster ready to make his appearance as well chelsea it's good to be back good morning how are you good morning weird nobody made a montage of nc state being selected to the pop tarts (laughs) bowl in orlando Didn't I talk about how much I hated Orlando? And of course, NC State's going to Orlando. So at least we can all be collectively happy for you, Jenks. Because I think all of us were sitting on the edge of our seats before that selection show and just hoping and praying for Texas to get in. I did not see them being the three team, but I guess they had to be three if they were going to put Alabama in. Because I think that's when we knew that Alabama was in because clearly – They couldn't put Alabama in at three if they won the head-to-head matchup with Texas. So, Jenks, it feels like you're going to have a busy end of the month, correct? Oh, my God. Let me tell you, the scenarios I went through, and the lovely Catherine was very good about just being patient with me because as soon as that was announced, I didn't know if we're going to make it or not. So I thought, well, what do you do if you do make it? I can't afford because this is so expensive, these random trips that just come out of nowhere. You can't afford to go to New Orleans and then possibly Houston. So the debate was, well, do you go watch them in the Sugar Bowl? Do you wait and roll the dice and say maybe they play for the national championship? So we talked about it very quickly, and we both thought, New Orleans, New Year's Eve, we get to at least see them play once in the playoff regardless of what happens. So on the fly, as soon as that announcement was made, we probably spent – 10, 15 minutes looking at flights, hotels, everything, Sugar Bowl tickets, and we had to do it quick. We kept having refresh websites because everyone was doing what we were doing. It was like this adrenaline rush as soon as Texas was announced. So finally, after 15, 20 minutes, we had the trip set. A little pricey, 
not great, but that's kind of what you get with bowl season. So Catherine's very excited. Now she's setting up brunches. She's setting up dinners. We got New Year's Eve plans. So it's it's the best of both worlds because it's a football trip, but also she's never been to New Orleans. So she's ready to test out different restaurants and tour the city. So it's actually going to be a great trip. I'm very excited, obviously. Yeah, New Orleans will be fun. And listen, mm-hmm. you haven't been to a Texas game all season long, have you? No, not at all. So And especially ex- during this season when they're actually very, very good. Yeah. Dare I say, Texas is back. Yeah. Well, let me say one thing. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to happen, knock on wood. We got our tickets. We can resell them if we need to. But a friend of... Catherine's not mine it's weird because I'm the one that does sports a friend of Catherine's reached out to her and said hey you know I I love Texas and I used to work for the Sugar Bowl and so I know people on the Sugar Bowl committee I think I can get you guys tickets and also that they really have a lot of cool stuff right before the game the cheerleaders from each side come through sort of the vans you can be right there next to the stadium and we're like oh let's do that so I don't know if that's going to come through, but I think it might. So everything's setting up very, very nicely. Chelsea, you know what set up nicely last night for you? Your bets. So you got to tell me about them. Yeah, it was a nice little night for props in Monday Night Football. Best bet was Evan Ingram tied in for the Jags over his receiving prop. 44 and a half. The Bengals had been giving up the second most yards per game of any team in the NFL to opposing tight ends. That was the case. Evan Ingram had 82. Also had Jamar Chase over 54 and a half receiving yards. This seemed like a criminally low number for such a good receiver because yes, Jake Browning is the guy throwing him the ball, but still we know Jamar Chase is shifty and athletic enough to take a ball and take it a few extra yards, like even if it's a short pass. And we saw a lot of that last night. He finished with 149 receiving yards. So a nice little pair of wins there. It was a really good read on Monday Night Football. PJ had a couple of wins as well. Yeah, nice job, guys. I woke up this morning and I was like, you guys crushed it. Jamar Chase, longest reception, over 20 and a half yards for PJ. A 76-yard reception and a touchdown for Chase in this game. That was a win. He also had Bengals plus 10 against the Jags. Bengals winning in overtime. That was a win. And then even his loser, which I hate to sound so harsh, he had Alabama minus 24 and a half hosting Arkansas State. And Alabama wins 89-65. So even his loss, he lost by the hook. So he goes 2-0. Or 2-1, you go 2-0. The Donkster also a couple wins. He had Jets on the money line. Hosting the Canes last night. A little plus money for the Donkster. Plus 110. Jets a 2-1 winner. Also, Penn's Flyers under six and a hook. And the Flyers win 2-1. So, a couple wins for the Donkster as well. That means for the week, you are 2-0. PJ is 2-1. And, and the Donkster is 2-0. That is how you get it done. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. And what did we see last night in Monday Night Football? The Bengals topping the Jags in overtime, 34-31. The Bengals getting 10 points. They're plus 375 on the money line. Total set at 40, and the over hits easily. Jake Browning, you mentioned it, making his second career start for the Bengals, delivers in a huge way. 32 of 37 and a touchdown. Also runs for a score as well. Jamar Chase, 11 catches, 149 yards and a score, followed by Evan McPherson with a clutch kick in the extra session. Third down in about a yard and a half. Extra men on the rush. This one floated. Caught by Chase. And he is gone. Touchdown Cincinnati as he takes it into the end zone. 
He got it. But a flag flies at the end of the play. So we'll hold off. Bengals indicate that this is against the Jaguars. And if it is, this game is over. Unsportsmanlike conduct on the defense. Leaping. Penalties decline. Field goal is good. Joe Buck with the call on ESPN. So the Bengals get a win on Monday Night Football as 10-point dogs, but they win on Monday Night Football for the first time since 1990. I did not realize it had been that long, but what a performance by Jake Browning. Right. I think this was the story of the game. I think a lot of people were surprised how accurate he was, but they were talking about how good he was in high school, how good he was at the University of Washington, and so sometimes I think there are tiers of backup quarterbacks. Like we always put things on tiers yeah. on the show and some backup quarterbacks are much better than others. Like some backup quarterbacks, you know, come around you're like, Oh, Joe Flacco. Great. Oh, Trevor Simeon. Cool. <laughs> um, but Jake Brownie's been actually pretty good for the Bengals. And a lot of it also has to do with the talent he has around him. When you have that core of receivers, and they were saying this on the broadcast, this was a team that was built around Joe Burrow. So they gave him a ton of weapons in the passing game for a reason. So Jake Browning had all of those weapons to work with. So if you find a way to get the ball to Jamar Chase, he's going to make fireworks happen. And that certainly was the case. As you heard, that 76-yard touchdown reception uh, from Chase, a great grab there. T. Higgins was back in this game, which actually took a little pressure off Jamar Chase. But uh, a lot of weapons there. And also, I felt like it was a great sell-high spot on the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. Like, did you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and say, this is a team that deserves to be laying 10 points? you know, to a team that's not necessarily the worst team in the NFL. PJ and I talked about this. We said there were only probably two or three teams in the NFL that we would feel comfortable laying 10 points with. That is the Dallas Cowboys when they're playing terrible teams. That is Mm -hmm. the San Francisco 49ers because they're just that good. And that's probably the end of the list. Like the Jags did not feel like a team that deserved to be laying 10 points. So it just felt like the market was too high on the Jags. Didn't see him losing outright, though. And also, it's not like Cincinnati is trash. I think you're totally right there. Like, you're going to lay this many points with this team against a Bengals team. Yeah, without Joe Burrow, obviously. But a team that still has plenty of talent. You mentioned it. The weapons around Jake Browning certainly help. So, I don't know. I don't know what in the world would make Jacksonville in any in any situation, a 10-point favorite on Monday Night Football over the Bengals. That just didn't make sense to me at all. So nice job handicapping that game. And, and looking forward, Trevor Lawrence, 22 of 29, 258 yards, two touchdowns. But he leaves the game with a sprained ankle in the fourth quarter. Got stepped on by one of his own linemen. Tried to get up, couldn't do it. Threw his helmet down, clearly frustrated. Went inside, had x-rays. Those were negative. But he came back out on crutches. And he'll be evaluated later on today. So... This is it's not a great not a great loss for Jacksonville, but certainly moving forward, they've got to make sure that Trevor Lawrence is healthy and x-rays. Yeah, negative, but you never know until he has an MRI. So that's something that now we're going to have to watch moving forward. Oh, for sure. And it makes the race for the AFC South particularly interesting uh, because there are some I'm not going to call them good teams like the Colts. I don't think they're a good team, but like they're winning games. So that's basically what you need in the AFC South. Uh, The Texans are a pretty solid team as well. 
Uh, so we'll see when it comes to that race. But what do you make of the Bengals moving forward? Because I think all of us kind of held a moratorium on their season and said, here <laughs> lies the Cincinnati Bengals. There will be no more wins for Cincinnati. Uh, but lo and behold, they've got a win in primetime. I'm not saying that I trust them in the, in the postseason because, you know, come on. Uh, without Joe Burrow, you're kind of right. cooked. But still, in the meantime, do you think this is a team that can at least compete for wins moving forward? I think so. Maybe it, this this is a tough spot, right? To it's a tough way to make a call here because Jake Browning looked all pro last night. <laughs> so you have to set right. your expectations appropriately. And what I mean by that is he's not going to perform like that each and every game. He's not going to be as bad as he was in his first start. But also, once you get into the rhythm of being a starting quarterback in the NFL, reps obviously help. So I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle because we've seen two extreme performances from him. If he is a an above-average quarterback, and it looks like he probably is, then I think you have to give a look at the Bengals and sort of reassess them moving forward as opposed to saying, oh, it's all over now. Well, and also, I think they did a great job of game planning for Jake Browning because in the first yeah. quarter, they did nothing but short, dumpy passes. They were talking about it. They said none of these passes have traveled more than eight mm -hmm. yards. So I think they did a nice job of getting him comfortable in the pocket and really trying to open up the long game or, or later in the game. So I think the coaching deserves some credit here as well. I was just looking for the the line for the Bengals next game. I'm not seeing it. They must have taken it down because I believe the look ahead line was Bengals getting two and a half against the Colts. And you just heard me talk about the Colts. Yeah. So I'm just wondering how much the market will change on the Bengals moving forward. Because I think if they lost this game but just kept it close, the market would still be very low. Mm -hmm. But it was also a primetime game. Like everybody saw this game. I'm wondering if the secret's out for the Bengals. Like, I'm wondering if we are still going to get some value on a team with a pretty solid backup quarterback. I would say if you like the Bengals plus two and a half, you can still get it, but you have to shop for it. The game is off the board at BetMGM, but it is on the board at other books. And depending on where you look, you can still get Bengals plus two and a half. But at some shops, it's also Bengals plus one. So I think we're starting to see that number trickle down. So I guess to answer your question, a lot of people are thinking, all right, let's not let's not go nuts here on acting like the season is Cincinnati over for Cincinnati. And I have a feeling based on what we saw last night, that number, if, if we're talking about Colts minus two and a half, that's going to shorten and it's already starting to happen at different places. Yeah, I'm looking right now because I think this is one of my teaser teams which we will do oh. later in the show but the thing about lines like that you got to grab them before they move yeah i got them at mm -hmm. plus one so they are plus seven in my teaser but act now okay. i would imagine this line is going to move no question it will move and continue to do so especially when people wake up and say oh all right let's look at cincinnati this week coming up next here on the show oh it's time to get you ready for the college football bowl season including one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports, Army-Navy, this weekend in Foxborough. It is a daily tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Great to have you with us on Tuesday. Come on back. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the daily tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. 
Let's get back to the daily tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. It is a daily tip with BetQL, presented by Bet MGM. Great to have you with us on a Tuesday. I'm Michael Jenkins. She is Chelsea Messenger. Coming up just a bit, our early thoughts on some of the big bowl games on the schedule in the next month, including the always entertaining battle between Army and Navy on Saturday in Foxborough. Chelsea, I was reading this article and I kept tabs on this because over the weekend during college championship week, there was a bar in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and they said, until Iowa scores... Free booze for everyone who comes. It was a golf bar. You know, some of those places where you can go in and you can play golf and drink beer at the same time. So Iowa obviously lost 26 nothing. They served free beer. Did not make a single dime on booze for the entirety of that game because Iowa lost 26 nothing. And then the owner of the bar put out a tweet that said, in case anyone's wondering, we're okay. We planned for this. We're not going bankrupt. Imagine, as soon as Iowa scores, free drinks are over, and it just never happened. Well, why would you do this when you've seen Iowa's offense all season long? Like, I think the line on their total touchdowns for this game was set at a half, and it was used to the under. So (laughs) the books knew, just about everybody knew, that has been watching these games that their offense was terrible. So the Mm -hmm. owner had to know this, or at least have an idea. I don't know. Do you think this pays for itself when it comes to publicity? Because here we are talking about it on our show. We're not even in Iowa. I think, yes. I think there's a balance there between, first of all, I think the the key here is that this was a golf bar. So clearly people were there to watch the game. But then you can pay to do other things like play golf there or putt or whatever you want to do. So they're making money off of that. Two, like you mentioned, you get the publicity. And then three, once people stick around after the game, they're nice and sauced and liquored up, ready to go. Then they start ordering drinks and they're like, oh, I've saved money. Now I can start spending money. And so, yeah, on the night, it's probably not their best night. But I think all things considered, it's probably a pretty smart marketing ploy if you you plan it the right way. Yeah, they still look better in all of this than Iowa's offense. Like the running (laughs) joke for Tennessee fans is that Tennessee is playing Iowa in a bowl game, and now they have to sit here for, what, two or three weeks and watch mm-hmm. nothing but Iowa game film. Can you imagine <sighs> being forced to watch that offense with a pen and <laughs> a pad and be like, all right, boys, this is the next three weeks. We're going to be watching this offense and game planning for this offense. God, you've got to be you know, poking your eyes out with forks at this point. Iowa doesn't even want to watch their own offense. I'm sure if they're watching game film, they're like, ugh, another three and out. We just look at the defense. (laughs) We get it. Is that a screen pass that went for negative five yards? Yes. Handoff stop behind the line of scrimmage. He looks downfield. Oh, it's thrown out of bounds. Sacked. Can we just move to the defense? It's unbelievable. I saw some stat that Iowa has played two ranked teams this season, and I believe the combined score in that game or those two games was like 59 nothing. So they didn't play the toughest schedule. And even when they did, when they were just barely squeaking out, just barely squeaking out wins, I don't know if I've ever seen a team this bad 
on offense ever that was this good, but I don't know how good they are. The Patriots? The Patriots are real bad. <laughs> I tell Patriots you what, there are a lot of games that are challenging my football fandom these days. Like, look at the total in Thursday night's game. If you want to laugh, go ahead and look at the total. Oh. Is it still 31 for the Patriots and the Steelers? Good oh, God. Yeah. Like, we it's expect gone down. this from, like, you know, there's a team in the Big Ten usually that plays, you know, Big Ten-type football where it's low scoring, they run the football, we get it. But in the NFL, this is a standalone game. They didn't even know who to use for the graphics, so they just used Bill Belichick. So it's Bill Belichick and TJ Watt because they're like, uh, which player should we use? I don't know, just use Bill Belichick. Just throw him up there. Who cares? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's been a lot of bad offensive football that we have been forced to watch. Yeah, they need to do the some sort of Jedi mind trick or something with those graphics. Like, why is there a picture of Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform? Play <laughs> for those guys anymore. Like, yeah, Bruce yeah, remember the Patriots? It's, guys, it's the Patriots. <laughs> it's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Joseph, this weekend in college football, I'm so excited about bowl season. I love this time of year. And we get what I think is a rivalry that over time has not been given the credit, the full credit that it deserves. Army-Navy is one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports. And I know when you see a 5-16 and six team versus a 5-16, and six team, you think, uh, boring. This is Army-Navy. It's always special. Army is laying two and a half points. Army is minus 145. Navy is plus 120. And the total is set at 28. 28. An Army victory would give them the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. A Navy win would ensure that Air Force keeps the trophy. So would you bet, will you bet, on Army-Navy this weekend? Hell no, I'm not, because I remember last year. Remember last year, the gambling world all was talking about Army-Navy because it hit in the under between these two teams in 16 straight matchups. So I got suckered into taking the under. Did it hit? Absolutely not. Uh, I watched this game, and it was, you know, as expected, but still hit the over. When totals are this low... You know, you've got to bite your fingernails the entire time because last year, total was set at 32. It finished 20 to 17, despite Navy only having four pass attempts. Army threw it 12 times. So it's not like this was a wide open game. It's just when these totals are so low, you know, that's the risk you're taking. I think, I wish there was a cross bet. Which game is going to be higher scoring, Army, Navy, or Steelers, Patriots? You got to guess there. I'd go Army Navy. And I wonder what the fork. I'll tell you one thing we gotta look at. Great question, by the way. I'm like, oh, Chelsea, you're killing me with this like a knife to the chest. Ooh, which one will go lower? Which game will be worse? At least with Army Navy, you get the pageantry of the cadets and the midshipmen and the neutral site and also the rivalry. When you're talking about Patriots Steelers, I mean <laughs> the pageantry. You no, know, the pageantry. Of a, Mac Jones oh, screaming at oh, somebody on the sidelines. Is that a new hole on Bill Belichick's sweatshirt? I think that's new. I think that, that the hole in the shoulder has gotten larger. You know, what are you? Uh, who cares? Uh, I'm watching Army Navy. I will watch that game on set. I'm going under. I'm going under. Why not? I'm going to make this a part of my pick six out of funsies. Well, here's the thing. This is the one bowl game where we don't have to worry about players opting out, right? And we don't have to worry about the motivation. Yep. 
Like, True. I guess you won't say that about the college football playoff teams. But other than that, like, look at the transfer portal yesterday. Didn't oh 500 guys enter the transfer portal? <laughs> Which is wild. I just I, imagine yeah. when they say that. I imagine like a scene from, I don't know if you remember the show, The Leftovers, but it was when like these souls left their body and like went to okay. heaven. Like I imagine 500 football players and their souls are just leaving to enter the transfer portal. Uh, don't know why I thought of that, but still like this is one thing in this game that you can pin down and say, all of these players will be ready to go. All of them will mm -hmm. be motivated and not a single one will be opting out because they got to stay. Like, they have to stay at the school. Yes. Well, I <laughs> right? know. And part of the issue for teams that are playing for the title is that you've got guys who are ready to get in the portal right now. But you're like, well, I got to wait because I want to finish this thing out. I have a chance to win a, a championship here or at least get a huge bowl win. So for the teams that are sitting there in the college football playoff, I mean, I know Texas has players that are going to jump in. Same thing with Michigan, you know, all of these teams. And yet they're waiting because they still want to find a way to win the title. Can't blame them for that, but it's going to just get even worse. That's the one thing I will say about college football that I'm not crazy about. Following the portal transfers of the guys going from one team to another, like it's so difficult to keep up. Like DJ Ui Angalale is another guy who might go to the NFL, might go to the portal. Just guys just bump all over the place. And by the time they're done, a guy's been at like five different schools. Yeah, can you imagine being like a high school quarterback and being like, can this guy leave already? Like, can you give the rest of us a chance before you're letting yeah. some 27-year-old quarterback sling it around in college? So I don't know what the future holds for college football, but it is very confusing, I think, for fans. Like, I do believe players should be paid, and it almost does feel like free agency. But even in the NFL, like, there's stipulations. Mm -hmm. Like, when you're on your rookie deal, you can't just be like, nah, I don't really like it here. Um, uh, right. So I don't know if it means that when it comes to these kids, we're going to have to start having contracts. Because when this type of money is involved, you think that there would be contracts. You would think. At some point, something is going to have to change. I don't know if it's going to be congressional oversight, whatever it is. State law, state lawmakers might get involved and put some sort of cap. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it, it right now it still is the Wild West, so there's no real solution, at least in the foreseeable future. At some point, I think it will be regulated. Justin, let's talk about some of the big bowl games coming up on New Year's Day, starting with the Rose Bowl, Alabama, Michigan. Michigan is laying a point and a half. Michigan is minus 120 on the money line. Bama is even money. The total is up from 45 and a half to 46 and a half. This open Michigan laying two and a half points money immediately came in on Alabama. Is Alabama the side here or are people just getting way too caught up in recency bias because they beat Georgia? Yeah, I have trouble with this one. This is the game yeah. that I don't know if I can pick a winner. Um, we will see how this line moves because honestly, were you surprised to see how short this line was when it opened yes. for a team that is the number one team in the land? And I know the books don't really care about the rankings, but still Michigan's undefeated. We've seen how dominant their offensive line has been, even against some of the best defensive lines in the country. So when this line opened, I thought we were going to get more points with Alabama. I was ready to bet on Alabama, say, oh, Alabama getting three, give me the tide. But at this line? One and a half? Like, I don't know. I you basically don't... need Alabama to win outright. And I just don't know. Because just two games ago, 
uh, or a game before the SEC championship, Alabama was having trouble with Auburn, a team that yeah. lost to New Mexico State. I realized that is a rivalry game, and I kind of went into my handicap of the SEC championship game. But still, uh, this is an Alabama team that they are very good, but so is Michigan. So I just go back yeah. and forth. Alabama was a miracle fourth and 31, a 1% play from not even being considered here. And look, that's just one game. You take the totality of the season into account. I get that. I just feel like people are disrespecting Michigan. They're looking at Bama. I think the handicap for a lot of people has been, oh, my God, Bama just beat Georgia. They're an SEC champion. Michigan, Michigan's been cheating. Like, Michigan is the number one team in the playoff for a reason. They have beaten all comers. They are dominant on both lines of scrimmage. I'm going to be on Michigan here. I People are not buying into the fact that the Wolverines are the number one team in the country for a reason. And I think they see Bama beating Georgia, and they think Bama's back. Bama's great, but they're not Michigan. I'm going to be on the Wolverines. Sugar Bowl, number three, Texas, number two, Washington. Texas is laying four and a half points. I can't believe this. Texas minus 200, Washington plus 165. Total is set at 64 and a half. This line open, Texas minus three and a half. Money coming in on the horns. And Chelsea, we know I'm a huge Texas fan. I I think there's too many points. I think Washington, I think Washington's passing attack, as much as I love my horns, the Texas secondary can be beat. And they have they will from time to time allow some explosive plays, not really turn around and play the ball, which you have to do. You get called for PI. That's been a real problem for the totality of the season. The best bet I think here is probably the over. The total is set at 64 and a half. Washington's defense is not great. And Texas can score points just like Washington. I think the over is the play, but I also think the Horns are laying too many points here. <sighs> this number almost seems like a dead number, though. Four and a half in a college game? Like, in an NFL game, I would probably argue differently. But when the total yeah. is this high, four and a half? Like, I kind of hate it. Uh, I would lean towards the points here. Because I have had to sit and listen to you talk about Texas football the entire season. And what I've picked <laughs> up is that Texas is very good against the run. But when it comes to the pass, they can be had, yep. at least in the middle mm -hmm. of the field. So what's the sure. other best passing attack and quarterback that Texas has faced? Has it been Oklahoma? Would you yeah. say? Like, I don't see Alabama as really a passing. Like, obviously they throw it. But, you know, yeah. Jalen Miller is a dual threat guy. Do you think it's Oklahoma? I think it's Oklahoma, and Oklahoma passed all over Texas. Now, I will also say that Texas, in the second half of the season, the past two or three games, adjusted their pass defense and played more press coverage, which made them better. But they still have some busted plays. I, I just feel like as good as Michael Penix Jr. is, and he has a month to prepare against his Texas secondary, maybe the opposite is true as well, where, where Texas will figure it out. But I, I was stunned to see. I thought Texas would be a short dog to Washington. So this is a line that doesn't make any sense to me and money is coming on the horns. Maybe there's something I'm missing but as much as I love Texas, I think Washington is the play and I kind of like them outright. I hate saying that but that's how I feel. Huh. Coming up next year on the show. Yeah, I know. The NBA holds an in-season tournament. Will anyone notice? Well, we're going to try. We will preview tonight's quarterfinal matchups. That is next on the Daily Tip from Beck UL, presented by BetMGM. 
Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. It is a Tuesday. The Daily Tip from BetQL presented by our good friends at BetMGM. I'm Michael Jenkins live in D.C. She is Chelsea Messenger live in Nashville, Tennessee. It's good to be back. Coming up in a few minutes, the NBA in-season tournament, yes, continues with a trip to Las Vegas on the line. Hanging in the balance. We will preview a couple of games on tonight's schedule. Chelsea, we don't have baseball this time of year, but... That doesn't mean we can't talk about baseball. Is your baseball gal? Shohei Otani. We know at some point he's going to sign the richest deal in baseball history. And now the Athletic is reporting that Shohei and the Blue Jays met on Monday at the Blue Jays spring training complex in Florida. And you say, well, why is that a big deal? Well, when you talk about Shohei and one of the things he is known for is being hyper-prepared, very meticulous. He checks out everything before he makes a decision. He prepares like no other, which we see every time he takes the field. And so the thought is, yes, he knows where the Blue Jays play. He's played there numerous times. He knows their roster. But in in preparing for eventually making a decision, he wanted to see the spring training facility to make sure he has everything in order or has as much information as possible when it comes to making one of the biggest decisions of his career. Could we see Shohei Otani as a Toronto Blue Jack? I don't know why that seems odd to me, but maybe it's right. I think it's hilarious that he's looking at their spring training sites because I know for a fact the Angels have a terrible one. Uh, My husband played Uh for the Angels organization, and he was saying their weight room, maybe they've updated it in the last year, but he was laughing because he said – they have two of the best players on the face of planet Earth. And they have these like old timey weights that have like rust on them and stuff. So like maybe that goes into it for Otani. It's like, I'm sick of working out with these old timey weights when I'm looking across the way. And there's guys that have top the line stuff, which you would yeah. expect from a major league baseball team that's raking in like, I don't know, billion dollars. Um, yeah. But I don't know where he's going. And honestly, I have not been following baseball. I've been knee deep in football and basketball and whatever is going on this time of year. I don't know where he's going to go because from the the time that he got here, like imagine coming to Major League Baseball from Japan and choosing the Angels. Like everybody that has followed baseball has known that the Angels have been terrible and terrible at making roster moves and decisions Mm -hmm. for quite some time now. So why would you ever go to the Angels? So the fact that Otani picked the Angels in the first place, I kind of question his decision-making skills. So I don't know where he's going, but uh, it would not shock me if it's a team that people don't expect. Imagine getting a tour of the Angels spring training facilities. All right, come on over here. Now, here is a solo flex. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's a really, yeah, you can do pretty much anything over here. 
This is our thigh master area. If you really want to work on your lower body, you can use the thigh master. And then over here, this is our we've got a we've got a TV over here. You just pop in sweat into the oldies. And you can do as many cardio workouts as you want to with Richard Simmons. So we've pretty much got it all here at the LA Angels training facility. Whatever you need. And by the way, we're we've ordered some barbells. So if you want to work, maybe, you know, I don't know, on your arms, we're really upping it this year. So Think about staying here, Shohei. It's wild how different the experience is from organization to organization. Mm Because, like, my husband jumped around to a bunch of different teams. And he said his experience with – he was with the Cubs the year that they won the World Series. And everything was top of the line. They – even in AAA, all of the meals for the AAA guys were organic. They had a chef. They had a smoothie bar. And all of this stuff to – uh, even the the service, there is a guy that would do their airline miles for them. Every time they got on a charter flight, they would put it on like a credit card and be like, hey, you're getting miles for this. Uh, then you go wow. to the Cincinnati Reds, which is completely opposite. He didn't even know if he was going to be a starter or a reliever. Like the day he got there, they like sent him to the bullpen. And like for a week straight, they wouldn't tell him. They're like, yeah, we don't know if we're going to be a starter or a reliever. So just kind of be ready. So it's just, it's wild the difference between organizations and that matters when it comes to free agency. So I don't know if Otani's going to choose to stay with the Angels, but something to consider. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because after today's show, I'll go out to Commander's Park and do my weekly podcast with the Commanders. And for all of the issues they've had in that organization, the one thing that they do well is their kitchen. Their food is incredible and you never know i'm talking like every time you go into the cafeteria they start lunch at 11 30 and don't i know it because i'll be there <laughs> and i will be there and it's free and they've got a salad bar but i'm talking like there are four or five different options each and every single day it's like some glazed salmon over here And then you've got like flank steak and frites. I mean, you can go down the line and pick whatever, some sort of penne pasta. And it's always incredible. So it's so funny how, like you were talking about, just some parts of each professional organization, some can be really good, some can be bad. That's the one thing the commanders get. Their food, I mean, chef's kiss. Every time I'm out there, I load up before I leave. So if you were a player, what do you think the best organizations are to play for? Because in baseball, Jake mm. was talking about like the postgame spread for the Yankees is like lobster and filet mignon. Do you think the Cowboys are number one? Like as far I'm as like treating their players to the best stuff, like I bet the Cowboys go over the top. Oh, no question. No question. During the Dan Snyder era, I swear to God, it was in the press box for commanders once at FedEx Field. And you know what they had for the medium meal? It was chips and salsa. And these chips were definitely a few weeks old. I was like, this is the oh, grossest no. thing I've ever had in my life. And then I looked <laughs> this past Thanksgiving. It was I was like, you know, the you know when a chip is really old, it gets chewy and it's not even a chip anymore. Oh. You're just like you're you're kind of tearing it to I'm like, what are we doing here? And I saw on Thanksgiving, because of course I know a lot of people who cover the commanders, and they were posting pictures of the Thanksgiving meal that Jerry Jones gave to the media members in the press box. I'm like, Ooh. that looks amazing. And it's definitely say what you want to about Jerry Jones. You don't have to like the Cowboys, but facts are facts. I think he probably spends more money and puts more into taking care of his players and the media than any owner in sports.
easily. Well, obviously, like you can tell he thinks that's like his family. The way yeah. that he talks about the Cowboys and the players, you would think that some of them are like his sons. So for somebody yeah. who is a little probably too involved, I guess that is one way in which it actually benefits the players. Like I bet they get the best of the best when it comes to their post-game meals. Yeah, I met Jerry Jones a long time ago. I've told this story before, and I was I was just working in Austin as a reporter and covering a Cowboys event, and I just said, Jerry is very charming. That's how he gets people. A hell of a businessman, but he he's very charming, and he sat and talked with me. I don't know. Just me and Jerry just shooting the breeze for a few minutes, asking me what I was doing, how I was doing. And so you can get caught up in that when someone is willing to spend that much time. I'm some kid reporter. He doesn't know who I am. And the fact that he spent a few minutes with me trying to get to know me, just someone like that. I mean, imagine how he treats people who are actually important in this business, who have some sort of sway. And so I think that's that's why I understand the appeal of Jerry Jones, at least personally. Chelsea, let's take a swing here at the NBA in-season tournament. We got a couple of quarterfinal matchups tonight. The winners advance to the semifinals in Las Vegas. Thank God this thing's coming to an end. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. Knicks at the Bucks. The Bucks are laying four and a half points. Bucks minus 200 on the money line. Knicks plus 165. Your total set at 226 and a half. Spread is up from 224 and a hook. What is going to happen here? I think I'll take the points with the Knicks here. Uh, is mm-hmm. it still five? I would assume you that it maybe it's around that. Yeah, because I saw it at five last night. I think that's the way that I would go. Just because you look at this last matchup between the Bucks and the Knicks. It was a five-point game, and just about everybody on the Knicks, with the exception of Jalen Brunson, was god-awful. Like, if you look at these shooting splits for the last matchup where they only lost by five, Julius Randle was five of 20 from the field, one of nine from the three-point line. Mitchell Robinson, 0 of four from the field. Uh, Josh Hart, two of nine from the field and 0 and four uh, from the three-point line. So it was just a bad night, especially for Julius Randle, supposedly one of their best players. So if you can still keep it within five, despite that bad of a shooting performance, I think that's the way you go is you take the points with the Knicks. We know this is a team that probably, I don't want to say they're not going to compete for an NBA Finals, but doesn't it feel like a team that's just kind of out of that tier? So this feels, this NBA season tournament feels like a great spot for teams like this that are kind of middle of the pack, kind of struggle in the actual postseason. And Tom Thibodeau, we know, makes his players bring it no matter what. So I'd be on the Knicks here getting the five. I think I'm going to have to play this tonight. I'm still trying to find a hockey game that I'd like to handicap, but I am going to take the Bucs. You can find, or sorry, the Knicks plus five. You can still find that. And look, the Bucks have won seven straight against the Knicks, but we're talking about five points here. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do think the fact that you're playing for a spot in Las Vegas has something to do with the play here. I don't like the NBA in-season tournament, but I'm also not a player who knows that, hey, if we win this game, I can get some extra cash. So there is some extra motivation here. The Knicks have been great on the road. They've also won three straight, seven of their last nine. They're 6-3-1 against the number away from home. That's good for fifth best in the NBA. The Knicks play better defense. They're a better rebounding team as well. So Milwaukee may have had New York's number over the past couple of seasons outright, but five feels like way too many points for me 
to be laying with the Bucks. So I'm with you. I am on the Knicks as well. And let's take a quick look at the Western Conference quarterfinals. Suns at the Lakers. Lakers laying a point and a half. Lakers minus 105. Suns minus 115. Total set at 227 and a half. That is up a point. Will you play Suns Lakers in the Western Conference? I will not because I do not want to be a play sweating the West Coast game. Because what can we stay <laughs> up for like, you know, the tip off? No, not even. 10 Eastern? No. Oh. No, I don't care about this game. I'm sorry, LeBron. Mm, I, I'll take the Suns plus a point and a half. The Lakers have beaten the Suns four straight times, including two this season. But in each of those two victories, the Suns did not have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on the floor. This is a completely different Phoenix team. So, yeah, I am on the Suns tonight. Coming up next, our first look at week 14 in the NFL. It's a daily tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. For more, listen to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.